Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as you call each one of us to follow in your way, so protect us from the temptations of the evil one, which distract us from your kingdom. Amen. May be seated. So John Mark, the author of the first gospel written, was a companion of Peter and of Paul. And much of his gospel story is a first-hand account from Peter who shared the story with him. Mark is also a cousin to Barnabas. And he was writing his gospel to a small band of Roman Christians who were under constant persecution from the Roman government and from the surrounding society somewhere around the year 65 A.D., Now, the Romans had invented a barbaric and cruel practice of sending unarmed Christians into the arena with hungry lions as a form of entertainment and punishment. And so you can imagine how these believers who were gathered in their secret meeting, hungrily reading over Mark's letter, must have felt as they read his words. There they find words of encouragement, that their Savior knew what it was like to be alone and hungry and weak and needy and tempted by Satan and surrounded by wild beasts. It's interesting to me that Mark links Jesus' baptism and his call to ministry with his temptation, his temptation in the wilderness and wild beasts. In these six short verses of today's gospel, call and temptation are undeniably linked. And as one who is called, that kind of makes me a little nervous. I fear that this parable is about ministry. Your ministry as disciples and my ministry as a priest. First of all, we have the call. You are my beloved son. And then immediately Jesus is driven into the wilderness where there are wild beasts and Satan's temptations. Now the Greek word for driven here is a very emphatic word. It doesn't mean that he was led or called or invited. Jesus didn't just go out into the desert for a little meditation time. Jesus didn't stroll out into the desert after his baptism, but he was driven there. He was actually thrown into the desert immediately. Someone once said that there's no such thing as a sweet dove. This baptismal spirit has claws and talons, and it grabs you and throws you around. I'm glad we're not doing an infant baptism today to preach about that kind of spirit that comes upon us. But that's what Mark is saying happened at the baptism of Jesus. He was immediately thrown into the wilderness. And I can tell you from firsthand experience about this relationship between call and temptation. As a member of the Commission on Ministry in the diocese for many years, I warned many young clergy clergy couples who were just coming out of seminary to guard their marriages the stresses of parish ministry, and the wild beasts which crouch within us and around us, waiting to devour young clergy couples, are real. 
There are many names and faces which these wild beasts will take on. It might be anger or worry about money or the need to be perfect or the need to be accepted by everyone. And sometimes we work too hard or we won't allow ourselves to be too close to anybody. And just because you make it through the early years of ministry does not mean that you have completely avoided the wild beasts, at least if you continue to try to discern a call from God. Call and temptation are always linked together. After I retired, and even now as I begin to think about what may come next, the wild beasts called comfort and security still prowl around in my wilderness. And that heavenly dove, the Holy Spirit, roosts on my head, calling me onward. Call and temptation are always linked. So do you want to hear the bad news in all of this? The ordained are not the only ones called by God. We are all called at our baptism and as the baptized to be disciples of Jesus. And this relationship between call and temptation is just as binding for you as it is for the clergy. The beasts have many faces, and you know the ones that are lurking in your life. You know what the distractions are that keep you from walking with Jesus day in and day out. What wild beasts harass you into making bad decisions or snap judgments or wrong choices. Someone once said, if the devil is not bothering you, it's probably because you are no threat to him and his kingdom. And so how do we deal with the temptations that are in our life? It's interesting to me that Mark's gospel, the first gospel written, does not tell us how the temptation of Jesus ended. Matthew and Luke both give us some detail of what the temptations were and how Jesus responded to those temptations. But Mark does not. All we know from Mark's gospel is that Jesus was tempted by Satan, he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. And perhaps this lack of an ending is intended to throw the story back into our laps or back into the laps of the early Christians who were literally surrounded by wild beasts in the arenas of Rome. Perhaps it is to remind us that the story of temptation and the call to ministry is never quite finished for any of us. No Christian who is trying to follow Jesus or to answer God's call is ever going to sleep securely at night. You and I are still busy finishing the story. And the head upon which the heavenly dove alights is also the head on which the wild beast will try to turn. We know that it's true. As we enter this season of Lent, pray that Jesus will strengthen us in our temptations and help us to resist the beasts in whatever forms they may present themselves to us. And when we are given to temptation, may we repent and return to the Lord and to his call to us. 
for he will always welcome us back to his table. He will always welcome us into his kingdom, which has come very near. Amen.